Welcome to the Nate Show. This is the Nate Show podcast. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me, and I appreciate that. Make sure you're following me on social media at That's Nate Cox, and also the podcast has its own Facebook page. That's at the Nate Show podcast on Facebook. The podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, and pretty much anywhere you get your podcast from. You can even ask Siri or Alexa, whichever one you choose, say, hey, play the Nate Show podcast, and she'll start playing it for you. How about that? So thank you for tuning in. Let's get right into it. All right, so this episode of the podcast, I get to interview two people uh, that I was really excited about interviewing. I got to know these two a couple months back. They came to Johnson City. Uh, They currently live in the Knoxville area, but they came to Johnson City and put together an open mic, which we do once a month. You've heard me talk about the JRH Brewing open mic. And as part of True Grit Comedy, which you need to follow on Facebook, if you're even remotely interested in stand-up here in the East Tennessee area, and you get a lot of information on events and other cool stuff going on just from that page. So make sure that you're following that true, uh, excuse me, true grit comedy. And Beth Tompkins and David Habel sort of put that together. You can follow them on Instagram. Beth is at Safe Kicker and David is at Sonic116. And I really enjoyed getting to know them over the last few months. And they were kind enough and talked to me um, in this episode, not just about comedy, but sort of their views on life and everything else. And I will throw this out there for anyone that didn't listen to my previous episode. Um, we go into some things here, uh, even though we still kind of center it around comedy. There are some discussions that are had here that uh, a are not for a younger audience and two could be a little bit controversial Uh, depending on whatever your moral and political views are, and that's fine. Um, I encourage discussion. I encourage being open-minded and hearing someone else's perspective on things. Beth and David are two really wonderful and delightful people that I've really enjoyed getting to know, and I wanted to, uh, like I said, I just wanted to talk to them, so I'm going to shut up. I'm going to get out of the way and sort of let them take over, so here's my interview with Beth Tompkins and David Habel. I am sitting here at Brickyard Bar and Barbecue with Beth Tompkins and David Habel, and we're just sort of munching and snacking a little bit and just chilling and talking. And if you don't mind, whoever wants to go first, go ahead and introduce yourselves to the fine folks that listen to the Nate Show podcast. Hello, my name is David Habel. I'm 29. I was born in Asheville, North Carolina. I'm adopted, and I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee, um, and started uh, doing comedy while I was up in Johnson City uh, going to ETSU as a student and uh, that's part of what brought me back there later on. Alright, sweet. I'm Beth Tompkins. I am a native East Tennessean, born and bred in Anderson County. Um, I am not 29. (laughs) Uh, I started doing comedy. It's close enough, yeah. (laughs) Three something. Let's go with that. (laughs) I started doing comedy a couple of years ago and now I get to perform as well as produce shows and um, work with David in Tri-Cities producing a monthly open mic. And then the Facebook page, the name of what you're headed up, at least what we did last night at the open mic was True Grit Comedy. Right, True Grit Comedy is our joint venture that we book and produce comedy shows in East Tennessee, uh, North Carolina, uh, working on Kentucky, working on Georgia, And uh, it's just our sort of our hub of what we operate on comedy-wise. Sweet, sweet. And um, if at any time 
you all want to interrupt each other, not interrupt each other, but jump in, or mm-hmm. even if I'm talking too much, interrupt me if you want to throw something in there. This is going to be a very casual, laid-back thing. Um, but I met you all through the True Grit thing, doing the open mic at JRH in Johnson City, because mm-hmm. I was looking for places to do stuff, um, because, I mean, Johnson City, we have some comics and stuff there, but there's really still not a really good firm, I don't even know the word I'm looking for, but it, it's kind of hit or miss as far as where... Uh, what's going to be there but i know you guys coming in has meant a lot to me and it, that's something i think we were talking about off uh, off air or whatever you want to call it was you all are big on having new comics mm-hmm. getting mm-hmm. opportunities if either one of y'all wants to talk about that for a minute yeah definitely i think a little background on how we even got started right, in johnson yeah. city might be helpful um david can kind of give the backstory leading up to when we started the mic if he wants to david i started performing in johnson city five years ago at the Next Door Comedy Night, which is uh, attached to the former uh, venue, the Acoustic Coffee House. Right. And uh, I had been partying with friends, and uh, we got a bunch of noise complaints. <laughs> so uh, I had enough of cops showing up, so I asked them to uh, party somewhere else. But they didn't bring me <laughs> with them when they started. So. Um, I started going out on town, and uh, I was a burnt town to English major, and uh, decided on a whim to do stand-up, and uh, I survived my first set and was surprised enough to be invited back for a second set, and um, you know, as my disillusionment with being a college student really took hold, it became a uh, kind of a life jacket to uh, hold on to and uh, transitioning out of that life and um, it really uh, introduced me to a lot of friends and um, it's it's been a great outlet right the acoustic coffee house shut down some time ago right I think it was the end of 2016 yeah and then david and i met each other in january last year okay and just through the comedy scene mutual friend and when i learned about his experience in johnson city and going to acoustic coffee house and then the fact it was closed we sort of did an expedition up there one day and just kind of checked out different venues to see what was going on and found a couple of like music open mics or sort of the general mics that you'll get with like music and poetry and what have you but nothing regular and so my experience in Knoxville when I started booking shows last year the greatest success I found was from the craft brewing community Um, just because they love packing out their places they like that laid-back vibe they're very open to you know different sorts of personalities if you will Um, and you know a lot of times they're the community gathering place so David and I you know prowling around Johnson City uh, ended up on Walnut Street and he's pointing out Acoustic Coffee House to me and then we look over to the other side of the street and it's talking about grand opening JRH Brewing. Yep. We thought, oh man, what are, what have we here? So from there we talked to the owners and worked with them and about a year later they gave us our shot January of this year. One of the things I've really liked about watching, like following you all on Facebook is that I don't know what other people are like, but you all still do like the traditional form of like advertising and marketing where you mm-hmm. drove to Johnson City and we're putting up flyers yeah. and hanging out, making a day of it. And I just, I don't, again, I don't know what it's like everywhere else, but like in a social media age where we're just sending out Facebook events all the time, of course we do that as well, right. what we do, but 
it's really cool and refreshing just to see you all doing like the old school thing yeah thank you i mean it's you know you got to promote yeah. somehow and online is great because you can not only reach a lot of people that you never ever met right. or talked to um, but you can dip into regions that you can't necessarily get to in a day or spend much time interfacing with people but on the flip side when we do those flyers and post them you know on the streets or with you know businesses that give us an okay to use their window it's just one more way that people kind of get like a sense that it's not just something they have to log in to look at yeah. um, and that kind of just goes back to trying to bring up the community and you know David's had said he got started by just picking up a little flyer about acoustic coffee houses open mic and i thought that's you know this is a millennial who spends a lot of time online yeah. but the most organic way possible is how he got started in comedy right. so we try to blend both methods of promoting and yeah. i would say it would be hard uh to you know if you send a place like the place we're at now if you just send them a facebook thing and then go hey we do comedy they'll be like okay but when you actually go in and shake mm -hmm. a hand and say hey, here's who i am you know whatever you build a relationship. That's been my favorite thing just from the beginning of this year when I started doing stand-up. It's just shaking hands and meeting different people that yeah. I probably would have never met and getting opportunities out of that, just like with you guys. So, Yeah, the uh, organic thing was really important to me from the start because before I was even performing, uh, mm -hmm. when I first saw the flyers at Acoustic, they were just in a neat little stack on the counter. And uh, I have ADHD, and at that time I was off any kind of medication, so there was no way I would have gotten myself to my first mic without having that on my fridge. Yeah. Because my, my memory was just not going at that time. <laughs> nobody, I mean, nobody that listens to the podcast wants me to tell the story again, so I won't, but <laughs> I, and I'll ask your all's experience, but my first ever... Like I remember my first night doing stand-up. Right? Mm. I kind of let it build up for two different weeks before that, where I went to the open mic um, in downtown Johnson City, but didn't go up. I was just like, I'm too nervous. I can't do it. Yeah. I'm not even going to be funny or whatever. And then the week I went up, I ended up meeting someone, talking about networking, that was putting a show together. Um, she was there for her 30th birthday, and then that my first paid gig came out of that. Nice. So it's just like you never know. Yeah. So, but I, I was interested to know, we kind of talked about it a minute ago, what your all's experience was doing your first ever, um, your first ever open mic or your first ever time getting up and telling written jokes. Well, well, I mean, for me, you know, I mentioned I started a couple of years ago. It was summer 2017, and I'd had several life changes in a row that knocked me down into a really bad depression, um, which, you know, is... It's a story you're going to hear a hundred times anytime you ask comics how they get started, but it was bad. Um, and I had one hobby going for me, uh, which was I was DJing at the local college radio station just as a volunteer. But a friend of mine was also working there, and one night she came in at the end of my shift to start hers, and she's like, are you okay? You doing all right? I was like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting by. And she's like, you know, if you're looking for something to do, there's a, a Monday night open mic in the Old City at Pilot Light. Um, my friend Todd is there. Um, they're a great bunch of people. You should go, you know, just check it out. Maybe, you know, maybe just give you something to go do and laugh at that has nothing to do with anything else. And so for a change in my life, I actually took that advice. Um, I went and checked out that show, and it ended up being the Friendly Town weekly show, which is a 30-minute open mic and then usually an hour-long sort of experimental improv Right. show and I walked in there not knowing a soul um, and definitely you know played the wallflower game where I wasn't looking to talk to anybody or network or anything I just wanted to be yeah. a fly on the wall and not be in my head for an hour or so 
Um, and it ended up really paying off. I just, I thought, you know, I could do what they're doing. I could, I could get up there and tell five minutes of something that, you know, might make me laugh and maybe make somebody else laugh. And I came back the next week and I did like the worst five minutes. I don't even know if it was five minutes. It was all about like how old I am and being a mom and working in computers, like nothing really relatable to the crowd that's there. But in spite of that, at the end of the night, one of the producers of the show came up to me and thanked me for coming out and told me he hoped I'd come back again. And it wasn't a, you know, anything more than just a note of encouragement. And that flipped the spark. And from there, I couldn't stop. And so I, you know, pay a lot of tribute to, you know, not only getting that advice from my friend, but finding a room that made me feel like I could come back and do what I thought I might be able to do. Yeah. So that was my story. That's my spiel. Yeah, in my case, um, I performed at the first mic that I went to. But I was so nervous beforehand that I couldn't really <laughs> write jokes for it. It just, you know, it was a good way psychologically for me to still give myself an out to, like, chicken out yeah. <laughs> before going up. And when I went up, like, I just, like, I poked fun at some of my classmates' names, and that didn't go over very well because <laughs> uh, nobody knew them and I didn't know half of them either <laughs> but um what really uh kind of saved my night was something that might have thrown off a bunch of other people I had this uh portable cassette player I brought with me and um on it I had it queued up to this John Lennon Elton John duet called whatever gets you through the night and it was plugged into like the speaker system at the next door <laughs> And so about midway through my set, the a host, uh, Sam Rucker, who is a big name up there, I know Sam. Um, he uh, Sam. dropped his notebook and <laughs> hit my cassette player. And uh, Sam, sorry. Just for everybody who's curious, that, that is not a cat. Fan belts, hey, not hey, fans. Hey. Or cicada. Uh, we're also fighting a war with flies right now that you yeah, can't see. It's, I feel bad for making us sit outside. <laughs> but um, he dropped his notebook on my cassette player, and the blaring horn intro went off <laughs> over the speakers. And I uh, had been preparing to tell the story about how, uh, at this time, it was like 1975 when all this happened. Not not for me, but I was gonna say, wow, for John and Elton John. And uh, John Lennon hadn't gotten a number one in the U.S. yet. Not even Imagine. Imagine peaked right, at three. Yeah, yeah. So Elton John was like, I'm betting this is going to hit number one. And if it does, you're going to have to play Madison Square Gardens with me. <laughs> and John's like, oh, you're on. Yeah, fat chance. Well, it hit number one. And uh, John Lennon had to come out and do his first uh, concert appearance in years. And... Um, like it just uh, a, being able to tell that story put me at ease because that was something I really knew well Yeah. and I got a good reaction from that and some of the comics uh, came up to me afterwards and was like dude for your first set you did really well and um, <laughs> I'm being interrupted unexpectedly <laughs> so to speak I love a good bit of synchronicity but um, they invited me back 
and I was very surprised about that. Yeah. So uh, the next month, I went out flyering with them, and like I went back on stage, and by that time I had fallen down at the library at ETSU. Like I was just jumping around being a fool. You know how twenty-four-year-olds yeah. can get. And um, I had a medical boot, so I was like, ah, I'm back here tonight because they didn't give me the boot the last time. The doctors did. <laughs> and uh, that was it. I was just writing for one month, one mic a month. Just the way that people coming out to JRH Brewing are writing now. And um, I did about uh, seven or eight sets that year, mostly in Johnson City, a few in Asheville. And. Um, it took until uh, January of 2015 for me to perform in Knoxville because I had bombed pretty hard in Asheville and I wasn't sure uh, where Knoxville would fall along the lines of uh, audiences being friendly. And it's not that they weren't friendly in Asheville, it's that I wasn't good yet. <laughs> and um, so I, I came out and I watched my first set in Knoxville and then I came up and met everybody here and started coming out weekly because uh, we had that ability to do that here. And it was a real privilege to be able to uh, um, grow that much that fast. Right. Now, the other thing that, um, that I like about you all that we were talking about before we started here was you're not just interested in giving different new comics a shot, but also having a, a wide range of different comics and diversity, if one of you wants to speak to that. I know, Beth, you were talking about that for a minute, so. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, my, my experience is mostly based in Knoxville, and, you know, some years ago we had a comedy club here, and there would be touring comics regularly, you know, with, you know, three night stays, and, uh, you know, doing multiple appearances a night, and there was a, you know, that comedy club scene, and then the independent scene came up out of the downtown area, and so, you know, at some point the club disappeared, and the independent scene is what we've had, um, but still, the independent scene has managed to bring in a lot of great touring com comics from all over, you know, the U.S., international comics, and so, when I came into it, I was already seeing that happen, and so when I started booking shows, that was just natural, you know, to yeah. reach out and see who some of my favorite comics are, you know, who are they friends with that are local or regional that I might be able to talk to, or, uh, you know, asking one of the folks at Friendly Town, you know, hey, I saw you booked so-and-so last year, can they, can you put me in touch with them to maybe book them at this room that I'm running now, and even to the point that... David had showed me a clip of uh, Jimmy Fallon with comedian Sean Finnerty performing, yeah. and I'd heard of him. I knew that he had been at the Scruffy City Festival before, never got to see him perform. And I watched that clip, and I was just floored, like how polished he was. I couldn't believe it was his first time. And then I just got a wild hair, and I thought, why not ask him? Why not just ask him how much and when, you know, how much would it take, and when could you possibly, if you would, come to Knoxville and do a show with me? And I couldn't swing the date that he had for one of my own venues, but like a, you know, like a dream, like Pilot Light stepped up, they booked him, and then I got to open for him. Right, so, yeah. you know, I'm all over the road with who I bring through, but it really is about finding that sweet spot of not only nurturing like the local up-and-comers, the folks that are dipping their toe in for the first time, or the folks that are coming back to the scene after maybe some years off, but it's also about just sharing, you know, folks on the road. You know, those comics are on the road. They're not making a lot of money. 
they're putting a lot of time and energy into it but being able to bring that to the community and get them some of that money and restore some of that energy is huge for me I know I know it sounds corny and everyone says it but I feel like now like in the age we live in like we need comedy now like more (laughs) than we've ever needed it because we're so splintered as far as that's why I was saying last night like we don't really talk about politics or whatever because it you tell a joke, a political joke, you've already alienated half your audience if they don't agree with you. So it's tough, but I really like that, you know, uh, what we're able to do really brings people together. And speaking to um, the political thing, well, not really even political, but you all have done some different benefit shows and are doing more and more of them if you want to talk about that. Because you said something, I won't steal the line from you, but mm-hmm. there's you said something that I really liked a second ago. So I... Um was connected to a series of shows earlier this year called Abort Mission, which was kind of a pro-choice benefit that stretched from uh, Chattanooga uh, through Knoxville up to Asheville. Um, And uh, I uh, felt like, I felt like it was a really good thing to be involved with. Beth helped with uh, a lot of the initial uh, planning stuff for uh, getting it organized here in Knoxville, but uh, by the time it uh, came here, I had taken over hosting the room that she was working in. So I was able to step up for that, and in my case, I, you know, if not for women having the right to bodily autonomy, I would be a father with somebody who I wasn't any longer in love with. And uh, I wasn't ready for fatherhood. And I'm somebody who's adopted. I was removed from my family at four and a half. And I was taken from an abuse neglect situation. So I know that not every family belongs having a child. And uh, not every family should be forced into it. And uh, to be able to get the chance to kind of hit the reset button on that and continue finding out who you are as an individual without, you know, projecting all your trauma onto a new generation. Like, I wasn't ready for kids. Some people are. But um, being able to do something to stand up for the right to choose and uh, bring the community in so that they're actively uh, helping people out. Uh, it feels and it felt really, really good. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of, lot of sort of nuance to doing something based on a political cause or a social cause. And, you know, I was saying earlier, it's hard to appease everybody all at once. And it's really just kind of looking at what's going to benefit the community the most, what's going to benefit that, you know, local business that we're working with. Um, just to give people access to that kind of event. We're not trying to push any kind of an agenda, but yeah. it's there for the folks that are there for it. And mm-hmm. it's really important to us to be able to, to do something like that. What did you say about causes versus leading sides? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it's, you know, putting putting a cause out there, you know, that, that we can support isn't necessarily picking sides. And that's kind yeah. of, you know, where it gets tricky, like trying to write a political joke. You know, I have a joke that's related to... Uh, President Trump and his fans, but it doesn't go anywhere near policy or practice or anything. It's literally (laughs) just making fun of one tiny aspect, playing on words. And, you know, that's the dance that that I do. But 
really important to David and I as well as creating safe spaces. Yes. Yeah. And so when we pick a cause like, you know, Bridget Martin from Chattanooga is who brought the abort mission tour to Knoxville yeah. working with David. Um, and, you know, it's it's important that there's a safe space for events like that or just on a, an average open mic night. And so we really work hard to make sure that the comics understand, you know, the audience is here for us and yeah. we are here for that audience. And without the audience, we're just up there barking in the dark into a microphone. So, you know, it's something that, you know, you, you can you can support the cause without playing the card of which side you're for. And you just give people the access to come out if they want to. Yeah. One, one thing that I definitely appreciate about what each of you just said, and I'm really big on this, is whether, and I'm not going to speak for my audience here, but for me personally, whether or not I agree with pro-rights you know, yeah. or whatever, I respect that you're all's opinion or belief it's deeply personal to you because I think a lot of people just regurgitate what they mm. hear yeah. either on TV or oh my daddy was Republican or whatever so of course I'm like it's not even their opinion so they'll yeah. get on and type on Facebook oh you shouldn't be doing that you're going to hell whatever without even really knowing what their own actual belief is right. so I, yeah. I definitely love and respect that you have that and it's it's actually in you and in your heart and if you said you had a personal reason like a deeply personal and you told that just now yeah. And I love that. I love when people actually have beliefs that they actually believe, for, yeah. la- for yeah. lack of a better Well, we stand <laughs> by it, that. and yeah. it's a risk that's worth it to us. Yeah, we understand definitely. that we may lose folks because of simply putting on a benefit for a, yeah. a cause, you know, like we did. But at the same time, you know, it, it's a matter of standing up for what you believe in and helping the community have an outlet for yeah. expressing that. I mean, when this isn't really the same thing but that first night when I was at the Willow Tree in Johnson City was their open mic isn't a comedy mic mm-hmm. it's just get up yeah. you can do poetry music whatever and the two people before me were very they did deeply emotional stuff and I just thought mm-hmm. this actually works for me because I'm in here's how you know I was in a depressed place the joke that you all have heard a million times that I do is where I compare Burger King to Tinder <laughs> so on New Year's mm-hmm. Eve I'm sitting in the house by my that's the first joke I ever wrote I'm in oh, the house wow. by myself eating Burger King swiping through Tinder that's <laughs> how you know I was super depressed and yeah, yeah so it kind of came from that so comedy can come from anywhere and you know I, our buddy I won't say his name because I don't want to embarrass him but he, his first night going up, he, uh, there was a guy up doing poems about the Holocaust that went up before him. So that's got to be tough to follow. Yeah. But I, I, I do, though, I just I love that you're all, I know it's kind of a non sequitur there, but like that you're all's beliefs are personal and it, and it matters. And you mentioned a safe space, and that's important too. Like, yeah. Cause yeah, it's a buzzword that a lot of people are like, come on, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a Gen X kid yeah. you know i grew up with not a lot of safe spaces yeah. it was just kind of you ignore the people that are you know not a threat and just spouting off whatever they you know believe that you don't necessarily agree with but now you know wanting to build community involves creating spaces where people yeah. feel safe and we get help from our local business owners with that we get help from you know our comics that come out you know they'll share concerns with us or make suggestions to us to help make things better and it's really important, but knowing the audience is key. And some something like that where you're following a very serious presentation, yeah. you know what frame of mind that audience is in, yeah. and you've <laughs> got to learn like how to exactly go in without pushing people further toward being depressed, turning that yeah. into being upset, and it takes, it takes some practice. I'm not there yet. <laughs> Did you have something there? I don't know. You were, you were thinking on it there for a second. Yeah, what were we... What did you ask a minute ago? Because I'm sure it's oh, off wow. of that. <laughs> Testing no. my memory here. Um, 
What were we talking about? What were you replying to? Well, we were just talking about like building a safe space. Safe yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Sorry, this isn't the Joe Rogan experience. This <laughs> isn't like is. polished. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, for me personally, I believe in free speech, and I've written dark material. I'm not against it. I looked at my first joke book yesterday, and I was like, wow, I wrote that. Like, I never told that. I never meant to tell that, but I definitely wrote it. And uh, we believe in free speech, and we believe, you know, it should be a safe space for dark material. But there's a difference between going into dark material and actively spreading divisiveness yeah. within yeah. the community or amongst comics. And we really uh, feel like people should be able to say what they want to unless it is making people feel like they can't be here. Unless it is, you know, actively promoting division. And that's where I feel inclined to step in because I know that I wouldn't be alive without the opportunity to perform. So I know for more people than are comfortable saying it, it can boil down to a life and death ma matter. Like, yep. and uh, I, I'm someone who struggles with chronic pain and chronic illness. Major anxiety too. A lot of people come up and say, I'm too anxious to do comedy. And I say, I am too, but I'm here somehow and I struggle with chronic pain. So the most ironic part of my doing stand-up is standing up in the first place. <laughs> That's an excellent observation and way to look at it. Um, yeah, but the thing, too, is is it can come from anywhere. You don't have to be... That's what I love about stand-up, right. is that you don't have to be in your situation or yours or mine. You right. can be... If you're perfectly happy-go-lucky all the time, you can still get up and be funny. It doesn't exclude anyone. We're talking right. about diversity, but I do like... One of the things I like about comedians is that we're able... At least those of us that are good, um, at least those of you that are good, I'm not including <laughs> myself in that, um, that we can take the energies of people and sort of shift them. Like if someone's having a rough day or they're in that place, we can sort of read that and bring them up. Or if someone's coming in too hot, we can be like, okay, let's, let's calm it down. Like, although there's nothing we could do with what happened here last Sunday, but yeah. we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> um, but uh, again, this isn't the Joe Rogan experience. This isn't a perfectly polished po podcast. So if there's anything else that you all want to talk about, for if I forgot to throw anything in there, that we we can just kind of chill here and, and the wild card, wild yeah. card item. Um, I, I mean, I think the other thing that Dave and I both share is we're also involved in the music community in right. different ways. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I was you know volunteering as a DJ at the local college station WUTK. Um, that, that start that comes from me starting back in 2006 and I had won a contest with a radio station to go to Bonnaroo that year um, pure luck I just listened wow. to them regularly <laughs> got in the contest they did a reverse drawing out of 50 people and it was me and one other gal staring at each other at the end of it and they picked my name and so it was an incredible experience and I followed up with the radio station I said you know that was amazing there were so many local bands you know it wasn't just the radio head headlining that year or Steve Earle in person but local bands and from that, I got the invitation to join up as a volunteer DJ if I wanted, and I learned just like any student, and off and on over years, I've been DJing. Are you doing that on purpose? 
volunteering at UT Knoxville? Like the play on words, was it being volunteers? It or is. You, it is genuinely what the position is like, called because I don't that? get paid. <laughs> I'm all vol. It really is a volunteer state. <laughs> totally yeah. no charge. No money at all. at all. But yeah, now I get to you know DJ weekly and host a locals only show, so it yeah. you know, highlights local. I enjoyed that. I remember watching that a couple weeks Thank ago you. on Facebook Live. I really enjoyed that. I appreciate so. that. And then you know I can let David speak to it, but he's you know a music maker. Yeah. On my end of things. Uh, Two and a half years before I even started in stand-up, I was uh, living out in Southern California, and I took an electronical music class. And I'd always wanted to make music, but I'm a very visual person, so until I started getting involved with like MIDI and actual like yeah. music-making programs, I I could never get it to stick. But once it did, it gave me a very very personal means of expression. A kind of art form that I can literally burn onto a CD or email myself or throw onto YouTube and um, now that it's been you know almost eight years since I started making music and five since I started telling jokes like it's only been in the last year or two that I've been comfortable bringing my music out into public because it's so much more personal and so much more of me yeah. than even my writing is and being able to have that luxury of having another kind of passion outside of comedy means that when I'm sick, when I'm stuck in bed, I have a way to get out. I have a way to get my voice out. I have a way to create something that isn't contingent on my health. And uh, I've, I've been booked this year as a musician. I was booked yeah. some last year as one and being able to share my creations with an audience is just a excellent feeling. Now I'm still getting used to being in front of people and not talking. Like that is definitely a transition <laughs> for a comic. But uh, I love it. Do um, that's incredible. Do you either of you? And if not, it's okay. Get like whenever you get booked for something, whether it be music or comedy or anything, you get. An opportunity do you get like a rush of adrenaline like you just want to tear a wall down I mean I'm I'm on a roller coaster from word one of talking yeah. about booking to securing the booking to planning what I'm gonna do or if it's a show I'm producing pulling it all together and getting the talent set up and making flyers and starting that social me media arc of you know promoting up until and including the show and it's exhausting and it's nervous energy non-stop when it's you know in that mode but it is it is the best version of that kind of energy just it's you know life-giving yeah, it really is when you messaged me the other week about hey do you want to come host a show at brickyard i was at work and i went into the cooler and just screamed because <laughs> right? any opportunity i get i get excited right? for. i don't care if it pays or not like i mean obviously i want to get paid but you know like if it's any opportunity I just I get fired up yeah, for it. because I, I remember not doing it and so like I still feel like a kid like whenever I get an opportunity to do something it's like yeah here we go. I keep telling myself like I'll keep doing comedy until it's not fun anymore until yeah. I don't feel that excitement and you know I think David sort of shares that sentiment with me too that's that's one of the reasons that we work so well together is we you know share these ideas even though you know there's an age difference we've got different backgrounds and you know different focuses sometimes but no matter what like it's really important to be able to kind of ride that energy wave and having somebody helping you yeah. with it and even you know with david's music stuff i'll help promote that mm -hmm. not yeah. A, yeah. as a business move but as a community move that yeah. music keeps venues going it keeps people coming out and 
that synergy is important to us between us and with the folks that are you know paying attention to what we're doing absolutely and david what you said about creating that even it's not contingent upon your health that's one of the reasons i wanted to do a podcast in the first place yeah because i can sit and i can either talk to to people like you all or i can just sit and give my thoughts on things and it's like i'm still creating something that wasn't there before and it's, it acts as a little therapy session even i made that joke on stage wow. last night but it really is it's like very real <laughs> i'm able to get that out there and it's like and it creates something you know yeah it's, it's still weird like to scroll through apple podcasts and like see me on there like, <laughs> what is that so how long has that been there but yeah it's it's cool. I'd, I'd love any act of art and creating something that wasn't already in the universe before. So, yeah. uh, every step, like forward in comedy, be it being booked or being a host, has its own uh, special brand of anxieties and yeah. uh, things that come with it. And for instance, the first time I was booked, I had the most nerves I think I had had since. Um, the first time I actually did stand up and it was uh, partially because uh, here I am my name's on a bill I'm being paid like the pressures on to actually bring something viable yeah and uh, just like my first mic it was hard to write for it It was hard to prepare for it because I wanted to leave it to the last moment to back out and I don't feel that way anymore but I got the same sensation with my first like host set where it was just like, it's the same thing I've been doing for years. It's just coming at it from a different angle and dealing with different situations. And just like hitting the open mics, like the only way to get better at doing it is by actively doing it. Yep. And uh, that's why I wear the hat, by the way. All right, let's each, do it. Each of those <laughs> levels, each of those vantage points can uh, teach you something different about the trade and it can teach you something different about yourself. For instance, hosting, I find that I'm uh, having to find my voice and personality a whole lot more than I necessarily would as just doing the open mic because not only do I have to set the tone for the room, I I don't just have like one moment where I bring my energy up, dump it on stage and go back ah like I have to keep kicking it back on and on and on and uh, it's a challenge but it's definitely worth it when people you know come up afterwards and are like thank you you know yeah thanks for creating a space where this can happen uh, thanks for giving me time you know and or I speak to audience members afterwards and they're grateful and I'm like wow I did that like I did that for their day and like I used to tie it way more to my ego but that which is given can be taken away and uh, now I write the jokes I enjoy writing I tell the jokes I enjoy telling I hope that it will resonate with the audience but at the end of the day I'm trying to find a middle ground between uh, being able to bring out a product I'm comfortable standing beside and being able to bring something out that just brings people closer. Yeah. Yeah, that accountability that we're creating when we're comics that go up to do that five minutes for the first time or the fifth time or the, you know, fifth year or as show producers booking shows, like we are creating our own accountability. And for yeah. people that have wrestled with depression and anxiety and feeling like, you know, none of the traditional paths have worked out for us like we thought they would or should. 
it's just a way to kind of beat that feeling where you build your own validation because somebody is letting you do this and then they are telling you you can do it again yeah and people are saying do you think i could do this and sometimes it's just as simple as telling somebody that's interested you know if you got a funny story you can tell for a few minutes try it out at an open mic sometime yeah. come back and tell us like the silliest story real life you know if you speak from what's happened to you it's gonna be full of that vibrance that yeah, you know you'll get that rush and then you can start thinking about writing a joke or sharing jokes but yeah, when you get on stage you you probably especially starting out have a time limit but you don't have a script you're not reading right. from a prompter it's you it's yeah. you working without a net right and mm -hmm. that's amazingly fun yet agonizingly painful <laughs> at the same time um, I know, like, even last night when you called me up, like, oh, here's Nate Cox. And I was like, I don't think I'm ready. I've even heard Jerry Seinfeld talk about it. He's like, I'm still, to this day, standing yeah. behind the curtain, and they're about to say my name. He's like, these people want somebody funny. I'm not funny. Like, what am I going to do up there? So I, that never ends. It keeps you humble, for yeah. sure. I've heard some amazing things about uh, what's called by some imposter syndrome. Just feeling like, okay, everybody else belongs there, but not me. I... Um, Ringo Starr did an interview not so long ago saying he still gets that adrenaline rush yeah. every time before he goes out on stage and he's been through some crazy stuff in his life <laughs> and uh, um, who is it Neil Gaiman was at like a conference or convention or something uh, talking about imposter syndrome and uh, he ran into Neil Armstrong and uh, <laughs> found out that Neil Armstrong still deals with that and he's thinking okay that, that's a man who is like the first man on the moon his initials are literally like a <laughs> Leanne you know like yeah. you can't get much closer to belonging in space than that <laughs> yeah. and like he was like well maybe if people who have done that much still get it it's not you know a personal shortcoming it's just human nature part of the price of doing what we do yeah i think that by the way i think that lady last week was from outer space yeah she must have been people uh, are you know a lot of my friends are nervous to come out to shows when i invite them to come out for comedy and they're like i don't want to be heckled i'm like listen it won't happen. <laughs> we are more afraid of you heckling us yeah. than we are going to go after you but if you open your mouth and make a comment during our set that's loud enough that we got your that you got our attention that was you got a, our attention that wasn't even a heckler so much as it was a warrior with armor on and a few glasses charging of wine. the yeah. stage with a sword yeah. um i don't want to end this interview with this conversation <laughs> but i know and we can do this again sometime sure, absolutely yeah. uh, i think we'll all grow together in yeah. comedy and everything we're doing and we'll have more stories and stuff to tell it's just kind of like a baseline of getting to know each other sure. um but what's um and either of you can talk, or both of you can talk about this. What's coming up that we need to know about as far as shows or just places people can be and things people can do? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, David and I have both been working uh, under Trigret Comedy to keep producing shows locally and regionally. Um, we've been working with Gypsy Circus Cider Company in Kingsport yep. pretty often doing a regular comedy showcase series and we've got another one of those coming up in mid-November. Um, we've also got a show at the Birdhouse in Knoxville which is a, like a community center venue yeah, and it's smack near downtown so it's a great sort of centralized location and that'll be a mix of comedy, art and music, sort of a variety show uh, also coming up in mid-November. Um, we have some comics booked at Brickyard on Sundays alongside the regular open mic that happens weekly. Sweet. We've got some uh, touring comics on the way from L.A., New York, and Ohio. 
uh, hopefully Georgia if things work out and just you know looking ahead to next year trying to think outside the box you know what other things can we do there's some new venues that are going to be opening up this fall in Knoxville um, you know we're looking toward like Virginia Tri-Cities Bristol way a little further than we ventured before to see if there's something yeah. up there not even that we can start and sustain but maybe there's somebody up there that wants to start something and we can just build them yeah. up get them launched and that's one more thing that we've gotten to do you know just kind of keeping in line with our you know theory on you know bringing folks in it doesn't have to be a first time open mic comic it can be yeah. somebody that's been doing comedy for a few years and wants to host a room or wants to produce showcases and we're we're here for that we're so here for that yeah. i um host an open mic uh, uh brickyard bar and barbecue weekly uh brickyard open mic colony night and uh We've moved to a new uh, sign-up time of 8 and a new start time of 8.30. It's good to know. And, it's uh, on Sundays. It's yeah. kind of in the heart of Bearden and West Knoxville, actually in the area I grew up in. And um, I mean, really, uh, we're both interested in uh, breaking down the echo chamber as much as we can and bringing in as much voices and perspectives as we can. Like, uh, I've thought about clean comedy, I've thought about sober comedy, I've thought about, you know, how many people are there out there right now who are funny with uh, perspectives to share, who can't show up to the places we're going to for whatever reason, addiction, uh, people they don't want to see anymore, um, geographic issues, like, uh, what was happening in the Tri-Cities. Like, you can have a bunch of book shows in the area, but if there's no way for new people to come in, if there's no entrance way, then there's no way for the scene to keep expanding. It just becomes everybody who's already successful. Yeah. And that's the opposite of the direction. Yeah, you gotta have that band practice, yeah, I, right, before you have play your big show. Yeah. So we're just, sometimes we're just trying to give that band practice and David's weekly mic, so great. Yeah. access point for that the monthly you know mic that we do at jrh and johnson okay, city I'll, so i'll be out this way a lot um i already have been lately but more yeah. and more soon and then i, I definitely appreciate what y'all are doing yeah, uh, helping you. us out in johnson city because mm -hmm. we're needing that really bad yeah well You're we welcome. couldn't do it without you and the other folks that uh, show up for yeah. us so thank you absolutely <laughs> like we're only part of the picture but having other comics who are as passionate as yourself and some of the other folks we've met in the tri-cities like when we're coming back from there, that's what we talk about. We talk about, you know, those people are developing right now and it's amazing to watch and it's amazing to be part of facilitating that change. Yeah. By the way, that wasn't one of us passing gas. <laughs> that was a motorcycle. But anyway, yeah, you're absolutely right though. I hate yeah. to I didn't mean to step on your <laughs> No, no, no <laughs> worries. What you said was great and I ruined Just it. Had to clear the air, funny. so to speak. No, yeah. no. I mean, it's, that's the way most of my conversations go. So it's something serious, and I ruin, ruin it by trying I, I to be funny. I talked about chronic illness a few minutes ago. You never know. No. no, this was great. This was really a truly gritty podcast episode. So Yay. stay, yeah. stay true to form. But I know Beth's got to go. She's got a festival to go to and yeah. some other stuff going on. But I've really enjoyed talking to both of you. Yeah, so thank thanks. you so much. Yeah, it's been a pleasure working with you, Nate, and looking forward to the future. Me too, man. All right, I hope everyone enjoyed that interview. Um, again, you can follow Beth on social media on Instagram at SafeKickerDavid on Instagram at Sonic116. Follow the True Grit Comedy page on Facebook 
And yeah, I had a lot of fun interviewing them and coming up on Monday, my interview with another uh, Knoxville-based comedian, Alexis Clayton. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And I look forward to having you back next time.